to uh, be a humble enough people to look to others for wisdom and observe them and, and see how they live, how they do things. How we ought to ask them questions and, and that will help us more on the way. There are lots of things that parents pass down to their children. Specifically, you can probably think back to your own childhood and think of a few things that you learned from your father. As we look at Proverbs 4 today, Tyler Ford opens up God's Word and shows us that wisdom is to be passed down from father to son. A wise son is one who listens to his father's wisdom. From the pulpit of Cedar Point Baptist Church in Nancy, Kentucky, here's Tyler Ford with Proverbs 4. It says, Hear, O sons of father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For, for I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. So see here in the beginning of this, we see a father telling a son to play, pay close attention to instruction he is about to give. We've all been there, haven't we, dads? Now listen, I'm getting ready to tell you something very important. And that's what uh, Solomon is beginning to say uh, to the reader here. Now listen, I'm getting ready to give you instruction to tell you something very important. Now what this begins to show kind of behind the scenes is the heart, the appropriate heart that a father should have for a son. Uh, wanting to show them wisdom so that they can right, walk in, excuse me, they can walk in uh, the right path. This shows the, that appropriate heart. As Solomon is beginning to write this, and of course, uh, he says, Here, O sons, uh, that is plural, it shows Solomon's goal that we've been talking about throughout uh, the whole book of Proverbs up to this point. Um, to give his wisdom to the young men of the kingdom of Israel. That that was his desire. That, that the kingdom would raise up young men uh, so that Israel then... And here's what Solomon knew in his wisdom. And, and I, I think you understand this isn't a knock against ladies. But Solomon knew in all of his wisdom that it was essential for the kingdom to continue on and continue to prosper through having men that were wise. That had men that would follow the precepts of God. Now, not to get off the track too much here, but that gives us a good picture of the church and how we should see the importance of discipling and raising up young men in the church. Now certainly, uh, we, we need to pay attention to our young women too. I mean, Titus teaches us, both sides of that coin. But, but it shows us the importance of discipleship in the church. That it is vital that as we exist as a church, if, if the king of Israel saw this as an important thing to do, that he devoted a whole book to it in, in the Scriptures, and, and then when they canonized the Scriptures, determining that it would go there, um, then it would be wise for us as well to uh, devote ourselves to giving wisdom uh, to those that are coming up. Of course, he tells the wisdom uh, that Solomon is giving to the young men, he calls good precepts, uh, rules, and he tells them, do not forsake my teaching. I'm giving you good precepts. They are good. You should not abandon them. You should not forsake them, but you should continue in them. Now, the context of this teaching that Solomon is talking about is, of course, the, the Torah, the teaching of the law of Moses, the first five books. 
of the Scripture. That's what they had. Uh, that was their God. And, and that would be the wisdom that Solomon, or the basis of the wisdom that Solomon would be giving to uh, these young men. We look in verse number 3 where he says, When I was a son, my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother... Here, Solomon talks about his experiences of a child. He speaks of a loving environment that he was brought up in. And now, uh, this is interesting for us because we don't, we don't necessarily see this um, in the Scripture, the story of, of David and Bathsheba as a mother and a father. But, but we're kind of let behind the scenes here uh, where David or Solomon says, I had good parents and my parents brought me up in a very loving environment. As we see in the text, when I was a son with my father, he says the word tender there, the only one in the sight of my mother. It seems that Solomon's parents, Bathsheba and David, devoted much time to raising and training Solomon in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Now, as we pick up in chapter number 4, or verse number 4, I'm sorry, verse number 4, Down through verse number 9, what we have here is a quote from King David. So notice how verse 4 begins. He taught me and said to me. So these are the words that David had spoke to his son Solomon. And Solomon clearly held them words in his heart. Because now he is expressing these very things to us, the reader. He says, "Uh, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Talks about holding fast to his father's words. And as, and, and as we, a son would keep a father's commandments, the, um, the reward of that is to, to live. And, and, and that doesn't mean that live or die, but that means to live a prosperous life, to enjoy life. Uh, he goes on to verse number five. He says, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Uh, though a father tries to impart wisdom on a son, a son ultimately will choose his own way. I mean, we can, as, as, as fathers, we can drill things into our children's mind, but at the end of the day, they will make a choice of which way they will go. Uh, this could be the possible motivation that caused Solomon to ask God for wisdom. We go to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Uh, where we see Solomon doing this. It picks up in verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept him from this great and steadfast... And you have kept him... For you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, this, your great people. 
It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or life from your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, uh, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare to you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen, I will lengthen your days. So as we see in verse number 5, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. As we saw in 1 Kings, Solomon was able to admit to the Lord that he did not have that. And we see that the Lord granted that to him. Verse 6, do not forsake her. So now, uh, is that this, quoting David, he is talking about wisdom. He's not talking about a woman here, but uh, com- uh, using her as a name for wisdom. Do not forsake her. Uh, she will keep you. Love her. And she will guard you. Again, wisdom compared to a woman and the hearer is encouraged to keep close to her. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Verse 8 through 9, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Uh, we see here that and we, this is a theme as we've gone through the book of Proverbs up to this point. Wisdom is the greatest possession that we can have. And we must pursue it with everything that we have. That is what the wisdom that Solomon is giving to these young men is. Get wisdom. Pursue wisdom. Uh, pursuing wisdom is worth the effort. The promise is that if you will pursue wisdom... You will find wisdom and then you will be comforted by wisdom. He expresses, he he talks about wisdom uh, giving the metaphor of it being a woman. And and he does that because he wants the reader to understand that, that we must fall in love with wisdom. It should be our greatest desire that that we um, as God's people would want the wisdom that God gives so that we could pursue Him better. As we said earlier, um, we talked about verse 5, that a father can give wisdom, but ultimately everyone will, will choose the path that they walk. Uh, as we look at verses 10 through 19, uh, that's exactly uh, what Solomon is talking about. So the conversation now uh, from verse number 9, that's closing the quote that David is saying, and Solomon picking up and speaking here. Uh, Hear my son and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble Keep hold of instruction, do not let go, guard her, for she is your life. So we, we see him talking about going one way. And then in verse 14, he talks about the other. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. 
For they eat the bread of the wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the righteous is like a light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like the deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Uh, We see that we must choose which way that we will go, the path that leads to life or the path that leads to destruction, the way of wisdom or the way of folly. We see in the beginning of that an exhortation, a plea from a father to a son to follow the right way, uh, to follow the way of of, of Lady Wisdom. Again, an expression that Solomon starts with after he he quotes his father David. He, He opens that, hear, he says, hear with your ears, my son, accept my words. So, so we see this, this, this plea from a father to a son. Please listen to what I am saying. And, and, and we understand that, that as uh, can even in being in Solomon's position many times, that we can plea with others to do that because we have experienced this very thing. Uh, wisdom, the implication of, of what we read really 10 through uh, 13 is that wisdom will lead to less obstacles in your path uh, because there's a preciousness that uh, can be found with wisdom. And even when we run, we will not stumble. When we, uh, Wisdom will guard us from falling. It is our life. It is the path that we are on. But the other side of the coin in verses 14 through 19, the way of the wicked. Again, beginning in verse number 14, the plea from a father to a son, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. And, and he talks about on that path there are many that do not care about you, that, that are not concerned with you, but only the wicked that want to destroy and tear you apart. And then in verses 20 through 27, we see it opens up with a third appeal to the son. We look, pick up in verse number 20. My son, be attentive to my words. So, so in this, this text, we have the three appeals to the son. Verse number 1, hear, O sons. Verse number 10, hear my son. And verse number 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Uh, he, he's, he's telling us here in this section, if the heart remains pure, the rest of the body will follow. Uh, we have that verse 23, probably a more known proverb, 423. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. This is a call to a son to keep his heart pure, to keep his heart away from the world, to keep it um, pointed to Christ and after Christ, and because from the heart comes all of life. So what are the main points of this Um, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. Number one, uh, again, uh, before we get into this, uh, the application of this is not general, okay? It's not the same application for everybody. And here's why. Because some of you are a lot older than me. Some of you are a lot younger than me. This will hit us all a little different because of the stage of life that we're in. We have to understand that. The application for this, for me, will be a lot different than for maybe a younger person here. It'll be a lot different for maybe an older person here. 
But, but there is application for all of these points, and I'll, I'll try to, once we get to the application part, I'll try to work that out. So, so three main points and then three points of application. Uh, number one, life comes with causes and effect. Life comes with consequences. We, we have to understand that. Uh, we have to understand that, uh, you know, there was that, that Deuteronomic principle in, in, in the law that, that God said, and it's in Deuteronomy, that's what's called the Deuteronomy principle, but, but Moses told the people of Israel, you, you keep the Lord's commands, you, you do what He has called you to do, you walk in His statutes and keep His precepts, and then you'll be blessed in the land. That's what it was. And he said, but, but if you do not, if you do not, you'll be cursed. And I understand that was a part of the Mosaic Law back in the Old Testament. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago. But, but that theme runs all the way through Scripture all the way to the end. Uh, it, it's not said in those exact words, but we can even see here in the Proverbs that, that as Solomon is teaching these things, and it, it would make sense to be here because, again, the basis of what he is teaching is the law. Uh, we, we see what he's saying. You seek after wisdom, you will find it, and, and God will bless you and God will keep you. But if you do not seek after wisdom, then you can be sure, you can be sure that the path that you go down will be overcome with wickedness and you will not make it. And we look into the New Testament and we think, well, how does that apply when Christ comes? Well, the greatest wisdom that we can have is to put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we can be sure, again, looking to the eschatological reality that we will be blessed in the promised land. But if not, uh, we will be cursed. But just on a very practical level in life, that, that theme holds true. That, that if we seek after the things of God, though the path may not always be easy, but we can be sure that if we're seeking after His wisdom, uh, He will give us a way of escape. But if we do not, um, we will not escape. Um, number two, wisdom can come from observing others. Uh, David, you know, or excuse me, Solomon starts out this, after he gives the first two verses, what does he do in verse number three? When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, so, so what, what Solomon is saying there is, a lot of the wisdom that I gained, what I had up to the point when I pleaded with the Lord to give me more wisdom, I learned from my father. Uh, we have to uh, be a humble enough people to look to others for wisdom and observe them and, and see how they live, how they do things. How we ought to ask them questions, and, and that will help us more on the way, even, even if you can observe them and they don't have wisdom. You can ask questions and think, well, that's probably not what I need to do. Right. So wisdom can be observed from others. And number three... Wisdom is not automatic. It is not automatic. Just because you, you come to church and you sit in a pew and you listen to teaching and preaching, that does not mean that you're going to gain any kind of wisdom. Wisdom must be sought after like it is a treasure. So let me, let me dive into this illustration that we're going to begin to see throughout the whole first half of the book of Proverbs. Solomon is going to talk about two, two women. 
Lady wisdom and lady folly. That's what he's going to do. Why does he do that? Who is he talking to? Young, unmarried men. And so he gives that illustration because that's what's on their mind. Right? You remember being that age? That's what's on their mind. So he says, there's going to be lady wisdom, who you should love, who you should pursue, who you should go after, who should be a treasure for you. And even in this, we, he talks about everything she would do for him. And then there will be Lady Folly who you should not go after. Because nothing good is going to come from that. So we see that illustration beginning here. Uh, we'll see it a lot in chapter 5. Um, but it's not automatic. It is something that we must seek after. It is something that we must pursue with our lives. It's something that we must dedicate ourselves to. But the promise is that if we do seek wisdom, God will give us wisdom. If we pursue it, we will absolutely find it. So three points of application and then, then, then we'll, we'll close up. First, and these are kind of building off these, these three points. Um, Number one, and, and I'm only using this word because the Proverbs use this word. Do not be foolish. Learn from the experience of others. It is foolishness to see other people, whether they do the right thing or the wrong thing, and not learn from that. It is absolutely foolish. It, it, it is foolish for us to... I mean, you can apply that really to every aspect of life. We, we, can, we can apply that to uh, how people interact in the church. We can apply that to the workplace. We can apply that to school, uh, younger people. We can apply that to parenting. We can apply that to grandparenting. We, we, we can apply that to any area of life. Driving. You can apply it to driving. I don't want to do what other people do. Uh, don't be foolish. It is foolishness to see others... To see others fail, to see others go down the path of unrighteousness, to see them follow lady folly, and then to do it ourselves. It is foolish to hear from a, we'll say, veteran saint, someone that's been in it a while, and they impart wisdom upon us. It is folly to hear their words, to hear their instruction. And to push them aside and say, well, I think I know how to do it a better way. That is completely foolish. And that's what Solomon is explaining here to the young men that he is writing to. And he tells us this by saying, look at what my father taught me. Look at what my father taught me. Number two, and, and maybe this one's... I'm, I'm going to split this one in two. So we're going to have two and a half or three and a half. Number two, to our younger people, make the decision now to pursue wisdom. One of my greatest regrets in my young part of my life was that I did not make a decision to pursue wisdom when I was younger. That maybe like some of you, I had to walk on the road of wickedness for quite a while before I had to before I really figured out there's probably a better way. 
So to our young people, make the decision now that you're going to pursue wisdom. Well, what does that look like? Well, we've talked about that. God has given us His Word. He has given us His Word, which is full of wisdom. God has given you a church that you're a part of that is full of people that have wisdom. Uh, God has given us the means of grace, the preaching of the Word, the singing of the Word, the, the, the ordinances, all the things that God has given us so that you may pursue wisdom. But the most important thing, the most important thing is to do as Solomon did and cry out to the Lord to give you wisdom. Apart from that, you will fail at pursuing wisdom. So number two B, so that was for our young people, make, this, make the decision now to pursue wisdom. Number two B, to our older people, make the decision now to impart wisdom on our younger people. Make the decision now to not let them make the mistakes that we made. That is essential for the life of the church. It is the most important thing that we will do as the church. That we will pass down what we know. That's what they've always done. That's what the church always did. That's why Paul wrote letters. To pass down what he knew. So it is vital that as parents, as grandparents, as people in the membership of Cedar Point Baptist Church, that we devote ourselves to pass down the wisdom that we have. And, and listen, yes, I am talking about theological and biblical wisdom, but I'm also talking about other things, practical wisdom as well. Cooking, cleaning, mending a fence. How to do this and how to do that. Those are important things. And we must teach them to our young people. We must teach them how to live in a fallen world. And number three. Um, going to uh, play off verse number 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Uh, keep your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Guard. What you allow in your mind, because the heart is the spring of life. Um, I don't know necessarily how it works, but if I could imagine it for a moment, and I have before, that it's almost as if connected to our mind, there is a conduit that goes right into our heart. And whatever we take into our mind flows direct, bypasses everything else and flows right into our heart. And then from our heart springs comes everything else that we do in life. So what I, what I mean by saying that is whatever we put into it, whatever we allow into our mind. And how do we allow things into our mind? Through our eyes and our ears. That's how we allow things into our mind. Whatever we allow into our mind goes straight to the heart. And I know the heart is a, meta, it's a metaphor. But goes straight to the heart. And then the heart, everything that is in the heart, flows out of the heart. And then that is ultimately who we become. Okay. So, if we are going to be godly people that, that seek after wisdom... The thing then that we need to 
put into our minds are those things. I was talking to a young man this last week, just a young man that I've been talking to, a young Christian, and we were kind of talking about this very thing, not necessarily with these verses and things like this. Uh, but you know, when you get around the preacher, you start to confess how much Bible reading you do and stuff like that. So we were sitting there chatting and he said, well, you know, I, I just, I, I haven't been reading my Bible like I should. And I was like, well, that's okay. Everybody does that. I'm pretty, pretty easy on folks like that. I'm not too tough. So it's always safe to confess those things. Uh, and I said, well, you know, that's, that's all right. And I'm just kind of letting him talk. And he's like, well, you know, he was a teenager, so you all don't know him. So he was like, well, you know, there's, there's a video game that's coming out, and I probably won't get to read my, he was very honest. He said, I probably won't get to read my Bible as much as I want to this week because that video game's coming out, and i got to play with these other guys. And, you know, and I, I couldn't really, I mean, I was still nice, but I couldn't just continue to let that go. And I was like, man, I'll just tell you like this. I was like, if you're not putting in more Bible, than you are everything else. You're going to have problems. It's going to mess you up. It's going to cause you to stray away. I don't know if he got it or not. But nonetheless, I told him what I need to tell him. But, but that's exactly true. And I, you know, there is no expectation that we you know, go home tonight and you don't watch the Super Bowl and you just sit there and read your Bible. But it is that, that we should be putting in more godly things than worldly things. It, that, that is absolutely true. So, so we need to think about that. We need to, to process that in our mind. And we need to prioritize those things. Um, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual morality and all purity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are all out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For uh, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He says this, Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to God. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So, so notice... Uh, We'll make skip down to verse 15 before I talk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, so we're talking about wisdom, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, again, a word from Proverbs, but understand that the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I expect Wednesday night when I come in, everyone to address me with song. Um, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father and in the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The very next thing he talks about is husbands and wives. 
Okay? We won't go there. But understand what he's saying here. Understand what he's saying. Verse 3. Flee from these worldly things. No filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Those things, Paul says, are out of place. But let there be thanksgiving. I'm going to skip down to what he said in verse number 9. He tells us to walk as children of light. He says, for the fruit of light, this tells us, is found in all that is good and right and true. So if you want to know what to fill your mind with, so it hits that conduit and goes down to your heart and then springs out of your heart into life, the fruit of light is all that is good and right and true. Those are the things to fill your mind with. Things that are good, things that are right, and things that are true. Thank you for joining us today on our sermon cast. We pray that you are encouraged to seek wisdom after being encouraged from God's Word in Proverbs 4. Join us each and every Saturday with our regular podcast, the Halfway There cast. Check out our website where you can find resources to help you on your walk with the Lord there. And also follow us on social media on Facebook, X, and Instagram.